this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Do you ever make yourself look better than you actually are? I mean, sometimes it can be in such a small way. Maybe you uh, exaggerate a story to, to make yourself sound a, a little better, a, a little more generous. Or, or, or maybe you don't necessarily tell all the details because it might put you in a bad light. I mean, we even have that, that word in our culture. We talk about, you know, white lies, a lie that is small and seemingly unimportant. And, and there, there might be times in life where, where, where we stretch the truth a little bit because we, you know, we want to see wealthier or we want to seem smarter or, or we want to see trendier or, or, or we want to see even more devout. You think about social media. Oftentimes we post those incredible pictures on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and puts us in the best light. But you know deep down, that's not exactly who you are. So many of us, we, we manage our image because we want approval. We want acceptance. And so sometimes we pretend, but, but deep down, we know we're not fooling ourselves. The unfortunate thing is when you think of church, it's not any better. Sometimes it's even worse. Uh, I mean, oftentimes we, we think or we've painted this picture or we've created a culture that in church is a place where people have figured it out. You know, they don't have sin. They don't have issues. If they have struggles, they just kind of power through them. And, and if they face difficulties or, or loss of loved ones, they, yes, they have grief, but it's not that big of a deal. But as I start to think of what God wants for us, when I start to think of the people that Jesus wants him to have follow him, in many ways, church should not be the place where you show up because you have it all together, but, but rather church is the place where you don't have to pretend, where you can actually be vulnerable, where you can actually show up and be like, you know what, I am here not to show you how, how great I am, but because I recognize my need for Jesus. As I turn to the Bible, I see over and over again just the significance of creating communities that follow Jesus that are real, that are authentic, that, that don't try to paint a picture of something that they are when it's not really where they're at. This fall, we've been working through a series looking at what are the values that we hold on to as a church. We've talked about how we value community, how we, how we value being humble, how we, how we want to be generous, how we want to be a community that is willing to invite. Today, I want to talk about the importance of being authentic, of being real, of, of not being in a place where we pretend we're more than we are, not, not creating a space where, where you have to come only if you figured it all out. Because we begin to see what Jesus desires, and in many ways, what can often get in the way of our recognizing our need for Jesus, is if we go along with what so often the culture preaches, and that is, puff yourself up. Make yourself perhaps sound better or look better than you really are. I, I want to turn to a, a passage in the Bible that in many ways should almost come with a bit of a warning because it's, it's rather striking. It's, it's rather startling. It, it, it kind of puts you in pause for a moment. And it comes very early on following Jesus' resurrection. 
that I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Bible, but in the New Testament, the, the latter part of the Bible, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the Gospels, are essentially the biographies of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And in the very next book, the book of Acts, is the next 30 years of this movement of Jesus, the, the beginning of the early church. And every other book, pretty much, from the New Testament fits into the time frame of the book of Acts. And what I love about the book of Acts is that it's a history, it's an account of, of this movement of Jesus that starts rather humbly and then grows into the fact that you're watching me right now, over 2,000 years later, wanting to hear more about who this Jesus is. And what we see really early on in the book of Acts is, in many ways, setting the framework of a community of followers of Jesus, understanding what are the important values for them. And so I want to jump in one particular passage, and it comes at a time where, where the, the, the early church was, was recognizing the need to be generous, that there was incredible needs amongst them. And so what was happening was people within the community were, were oftentimes selling their property, and then they bring the proceeds to the leaders of the church in order to be distributed amongst the poor, that, that they saw this as being incredibly important. And it's in this context that we jump into Acts chapter 5 with... <laughs> Like, as you hear how it ends, it stops me in my tracks. But it points to the reality and the importance of being authentic. And so let me, let me read it, and then, and then we'll kind of unpack it for what it means for us here today. Acts 5, beginning in verse 1, it says this. There was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's full consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do this, do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, What was the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. I don't know, like there's, there's times I read the Bible and it's like a big gulp passage. Like I just stop and I'm like, whoa, what happened? Like that seems so severe. I mean, in one context, you could look at Ananias and Sapphira. They, they gave a considerable amount of money to help others. And, and just because they stretched the truth a little bit, like doesn't that seem a little bit over the top? What is so important to understand as we look at this passage, and particularly in our own lives, is that what God desires from us is to be authentic, to be real, to, to, to uphold the truth, to not stretch life out in a way that makes us look better. You see, what I appreciate about this passage is just, is just how Peter framed it. 
Like when he, when he first went to Ananias, he's like, listen, listen, listen. No one told you you had to sold the land. Like that was your choice. I mean, and then when you sold the land, you could have done whatever you wanted with the money you received. Like, like why did you lie? Why did you make it out to be something more than you truly were? This is a sobering passage that, that really begins to speak to the significance of being authentic. About, about not painting ourselves in a light that, 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 that truly isn't representative of ourself. It was severe. But it's important for us not to brush it aside, but to begin to see that this is significant to God. That what Jesus was wanting to do was, was to build up a community of faith that, 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 that simply recognized that they were who they were and that Jesus would meet them there, but they needed to be honest. They need to be authentic. As a church, we want to be authentic. We, we want to create spaces where we are real people dealing with real life. And in the midst of it, it's here that we recognize our need for Jesus. Church should not be a place where we come because we have it all figured out where we don't have questions or uncertainties, where there aren't moments of fear in our life. Church should not be a place where where we pretend as if we don't have any issues, that there isn't a sense of brokenness. Church should not be a place where where we don't feel the, the, the depth of sadness when someone we love significantly has died. It's a place where we come. It's a place where we recognize our need for others and our need for Jesus. And it begins by being real. Because what happens is that if we pretend to be something more than we are, if we, if we pretend to, to be greater than we actually are, what begins to lean us back into culture is that we start to look for our sense of approval and acceptance, not from Jesus, but from the things of this world. I don't know about you, but I'm always drawn to people who are just straight up, people who are honest, people who, 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 who recognize, you know, they are who they are. They don't have any sort of airs amongst them. You see, that is the Jesus way. And what's interesting is that as you start to read through the Bible, particularly the New Testament, when you start to see this Jesus community beginning to form, you see how there are little tidbits along the way that just, again, emphasize the importance of recognizing the need to be authentic. James, one of the leaders of the early church, actually the church in Jerusalem, the very beginning of it all, in one of his letters, he writes this. In James 5, 16, he says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice the subtlety of what James is saying. He's, he's first of all admitting that, that we all have sin, that, that, that this should not be a surprise to anyone. And I'm sure maybe you're watching and think, okay, yeah, Joel, I have sin in my life. There's things I know I shouldn't be doing. But, but we often think, isn't it just enough for us to admit it to God? No, no, James is actually saying, no, 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 no. Talk to others about it. Confess to others about it. Because when you do that, that is when you begin to experience true healing. Or the Apostle Paul, another one of the, the great leaders of the early church, when, when, when he was talking to a group of people, 
He's talking to the Galatians. This is what he says. He says, share in each other's burdens. And in this way, you are fulfilling the way of Christ. I just love that language. He talks about sharing one another's burdens. Well, how do you share in someone else's burdens if they don't actually ever tell you what's going on in their life? I think so often people say, so how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Deep down, you know you are dying inside. That's not what Jesus wants. He puts us into community, not so we can all be fine together, but that we can share in one another's burdens. It's why for us as a church, small groups is so important. And they, and they appear in a variety of ways. Because things like confessing of sins, things like sharing in one another's burdens, doesn't necessarily happen when we come to what I refer to as big church. Like Sunday morning in the sanctuary all together. There's an incredible important piece in there. But in order to confess our sins, like I'm not going to ask people to stand up on Sunday morning and just start confessing what's going on. Nor is that oftentimes a place we can share each other's burdens. But when we get to know others, we can be honest. We can be vulnerable. We can come alongside one another. So what does it begin to look like? Because I know that it so easily can just slip into our life where, where, where we just try to, to, to pretend. We, we try to be a person we're not being. So let me suggest a couple of things here today as we conclude. Things that I believe will help you, will help me to be more authentic. First one is what I just shared. Get into a group. If you're, if you're someone that doesn't have a group of people who are wanting to follow Jesus, is that something you can be intentional about? Because, listen, you can watch online, you can come to big church, you can, you can participate in the greater worship of God, but to truly be honest and authentic, it means getting with others and sharing what's really going on in your life. Some of you may be watching me thinking, hey, Joel, I've got this all covered. I'm, I'm already a part of the group. Tick that box. Well, let me, let me take it a step further and ask you, while you're in this group, are you being transparent? Are you being vulnerable? Because oftentimes we may show up to groups and we can kind of nibble on the edges a little bit. We come because we want to learn more about the Bible or we want to grow in our faith. I know this to be true in my own life. The more vulnerable and transparent I am, the more I grow in my understanding and relationship with Jesus. There's a group of guys that I meet with and, and, and what I realize and what I crave is just being open and honest, sharing our struggles, because oftentimes we, we applaud at people's success, but we relate to their weakness. It almost gives you a sense of a, a sigh of relief when, when someone really begins to open up and, and share their struggles, to share their burdens, to, to share the ways in which they have messed up. There's almost a sense in the room that when someone gets vulnerable, everybody leans in. And because of them getting real, they can get real as well. And the third thing I would say to this is, if you truly want to be authentic, continue to look to Jesus. Because the very first two things I said, getting in a group, being honest and transparent, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you can do that. I mean, there's a lot of self-help groups out there. You, you see this in recovery groups, that, that oftentimes people come and they, and they simply share where they're at and what's going on. But I believe the key 
is in recognizing Jesus. Because ultimately, I know in my life, I stretch the truth. I make myself seem better because I want a sense of approval. I want acceptance. I want to be loved. But when it comes to Jesus, his love and acceptance of us is not based on what we do. It's not based upon our accomplishments. It's not based upon how great we may be. It's based upon the very fact that he has chosen us and has loved us. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, he says this. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Jesus. What if you made that personal? What if you began to think this week as you read this verse, insert your own name. It says, even before he made the world, God loved Joel. God chose Joel in Jesus. You see, I find in my life that I can be more truthful. I can be more vulnerable because I recognize ultimately my identity is not found in what others think of me. It's found in the fact that God, the creator of this world, has loved me, has chosen me, has come in human form and died for me. Like, that makes me pause. That makes me realize that now suddenly my life isn't an attempt to prove myself to others. It's a response of gratitude to all that God has done for me. As a church, our purpose is to lead people to Jesus. Why? Because it's in Jesus that lives are transformed. And your life is transformed when you realize that your greatest sense of identity is not in what you do. It's not in your accomplishments. It's not in how wealthy or how smart or how devout you may be. Your worth is found in the fact that Jesus loves you, cares for you, and desires to be in relationship with you. And so how do you display this in real time? It's by being authentic and real. You see, I believe that people will be drawn to Jesus, not because of how good we may be or how well together our lives become. But when people start to notice a difference, that we don't pursue our identity in the things of this world, they'll start to wonder what is going on. I believe that was the secret to the early church. They're often referred to as unschooled, ordinary individuals. They couldn't quite figure out what it was until they realized that these people were with Jesus. You know, our greatest witness to the world is not in how accomplished we are, but in how authentic we become. That's what I want for our church. But if that's going to happen for our church, it has to happen with me. It has to happen with you. So what would it look like this week to, to be truthful, to be honest, to recognize that your sense of worth is found not in trying to make others love you more, but in recognize how much you are loved by Jesus. Then see what it does to you and the impact it has upon others.
Let me pray as we conclude. So gracious God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the reminder again of how we are loved and how we are chosen by you. Even before we do anything, Jesus, I confess that too often I try to make myself out to be better than I am, to win the approval of others. May I draw my attention back to you, see how I am loved by you, and in doing so, simply be honest. Simply recognize all that you've done for me. For Asses, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty, the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.